Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. So I am really, really excited for my guest today, Adrienne Lapeltier. I hope I said that right. You did, Sherry, perfectly. And we worked together in Hello Hollywood, Hello. Uh, I was only in there for a year, but we're going to backtrack and go into what it was like to be in that show from the beginning, but also your position as a swing and an assistant company manager. But first, we're going to go back to how the heck does one end up in a show like that? So I would love to hear like where you grew up and what got you into dancing. And was that your original plan? Mm -hmm, Certainly. Well, I grew up in India, Calcutta. I went to two different boarding schools. I went to a boarding school in Darjeeling. And then I finished, I graduated from a school in South India in Bangalore. And then went to college at the University of Missouri. I had a cousin who was at the University of Missouri. My mother made all the arrangements, got the paperwork done, off to Missouri I went. And while in the University of Missouri, I got involved with the group of uh, theatrical people in the university. So I did, the, my first play there was the best years of their lives and I played the father. I had to smoke a cigar, I'd never smoked in my life. I didn't know you didn't inhale a cigar. Well, I, profuse, I profusely choked all over that damn cigar. However, I won the award for the best actor and the gentleman who normally won the award was quite pissed that this stranger had come in and won the award from him because he felt that was his duty bound. So anyway, I finished the first semester, got involved in the second semester, got involved with the theatrics and one of them said to me, you know, you should go to the Pasadena Playhouse. They have a summer course. Why don't you register? And we're going to be going over to Pasadena. We're going to be driving over. We'll take you there. So I went, okay, I'll, I'll register. I did, got accepted. And I, with my couple of fraternity brothers drove across the states from Missouri to California. Loved the Pasadena Playhouse, loved the summer course. Then Miss Waller, who was my, one of my teachers there, said to me, so what are you going to do now that the course is finished? I said, well, go back to Missouri, go back to journalism. I hadn't even planned how I would get back to Missouri. I had no idea how. No idea, I hadn't made any plans because I really didn't want to. She said, you shouldn't, you need to stay in this business. It's really your calling. I'm going to write to your parents. So I said, fine. I gave, the, gave her my, their address. And I said, and I'll call up my dad and tell him. So I called him up and said, dad, look, Miss Wallace says I should stay in this business and not go into journalism. My father said, what do you think? Do you want to? I said, oh yes, dad, I love it. He said, well then stay, do it. I said, thank you. But I didn't enroll in time for the start of the Pasadena Playhouse. So I went to the Pasadena City College for a semester. And in the meantime, enrolled for the next semester that when it started at the Pasadena, I could join. I joined, it was at the winter semester and I was there for three years. I graduated cum laude with a BA degree and I got the award for citizenship, scholarship and dramatic ability. Mm, good for you. Uh, yeah, it was wonderful. And while there, Jed Harris, who did the speech at our commencement, said to me, oh, Adrian, 
You know, I'm interested. I'm going to be doing a play on Broadway with Betty Davis. It's called Hedda Gabler. I'd like to use you. Would you be interested? I would love it, I said. He couldn't get the booking. It never happened. He couldn't, couldn't make the money. So it never happened. And uh, my uncle came to visit me in Pasadena and said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I'm feeling really homesick seeing you. I think I'd like to go home. He said, well then, all right, I'll tell you what. I'll take you back to England. We'll spend some time in England. Then we'll go and visit the Holy Land because I want to go there. And then I'll take you home. I'll pay for your fare. That was done. So we did that. And while I was in Pasadena Playhouse, I used to love dancing. That's, so what I did, that's when I did extra little dance classes and stuff. And my dance teacher, Evelyn Lamone, said to me, what's wrong with you? You should be a dancer. Uh -huh. Stop doing all these acting classes. Come and take up dancing. And I said, well, I'm really conflicted here. And then while I would be acting, they'd say, stop taking those dance classes. You're moving like a dancer. You need to walk like a person. Stop it. So I was really conflicted. It was a real horrible conflict. Evelyn Lamone originally taught Ronnie Lewis. Oh, I love Ronnie Lewis. Yes, taught Ronnie Lewis because I met Ronnie in Reno and uh, I said, how did you start Ronnie? He said, well, it's a long story. I started in St. Louis. I had a teacher called Evelyn Lamone. I said, shut up. So did I when I was in California and we immediately bonded. Oh. It was like that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we went, my uncle took me back, went, spent a few months in England. I loved England. I thought, oh, I like it here. Then we went to the Holy Land and then I went back home to Calcutta and I stayed with my parents and I got a job working in McKinnon Mackenzie. They had a travel section. So I was working the travel section, working for uh, Cathay Pacific Airlines. They had only one flight in a week to Calcutta. So I'd have to meet the flight that was coming in. I had to meet the flight that was going out. That was all I had to do. That was my job. And it was a fam job, but I was getting very tired of India. I hated it. I hated the poverty. I didn't like the style of life. I missed the Western style. And when I was in the States, I tried to get a green card, but they said, no, we can't give you one. You come under the Indian quota. I said, I have a French passport. They said, it doesn't matter. You were born in India. You come under the Indian quota, which is closed and oversubscribed. So we can't give you a green card. I'm sorry. So you have to leave. So I left. As I told you, my uncle paid my fare. So then I told my mom, I think I'm going to go to England, mom, because I can go there. I can work. I've been born in India, which is their protection. It was a protectorate. And I, I'll be allowed to work there. So I'm going to go to England. So I went to England. And then... Uh, the people I stayed with said, you know, you really can't make acting. It's not a viable situation to be in. You need to get a government job. You need to get a civil servant job. So I went, okay. And I applied to the Continental Telephone Exchange. So I was working on the Continental Telephone Exchange and then did an audition for Wimbledon Theatre for Salad Days. And it was going to be doing a tour. I got the job. So I said, goodbye, Continental Telephone Exchange. <laughs> Off I went, did the tour, came back. I was without work. And then this seems to be a bit of a blank in my mind because I'm not too sure how I existed in between that period of time. It was a, it's a very questionable what I did, how I did. did I don't remember doing another job. 
I do remember taking a class, an acting class, and the guy who was teaching the class pointed me out. He said, now look what he's doing. He's very observant. He's looking, he's seeing, he's listening. Those are the three things none of you people are doing here. You need to do what he's doing. Look at him, check him out. This is good. But however, what happened, I know that I worked in Colchester Rep. I got another job there. So I did the full season there. But at the end of that season, there was an actor strike, a television actor strike. And they didn't want to work because they wanted more money. And so they said, fine, we won't be giving it to you. So they said, fine. So they came to the rep saying, hey, we've got names. People know us. Why don't you hire us? We don't need extra money. We work for the money you're paying these people, but we need jobs. So we who had no name had no jobs. So out I went. And then I got a job. It was uh, with a floor covering company selling vinyl floor covering. And uh, I was doing the office work. I enjoyed it. I, I was there, got my mother a job when she came over. She worked for them. And uh, then I moved over to another company that was like a geological company that had a geological magazine. I hated it. So I saw an audition for a nightclub in London. And I thought, I'm going to go for that. So I went, I stood stage left, I had a tie, a shirt, everything else, all the other dancers, t-shirts, and knitted, which they wore knitted tights in those days. All busy dancing, I just stood there. Didn't do a step. Then I walked down to the choreographer who I knew, knew a friend of mine who was working at the store club across the street. I said, excuse me, uh, I'm sorry, but I need to go. He said, why aren't you dancing? I said, well, I have a job to go to and I can't go back sweaty. Can't you see how I'm dressed? I'm not dressed like the others. Can you dance? I said, I beg your pardon. Jazz, uh -huh. tap, ballet, you name it, I do it. All lies. I didn't. I just had a smattering of modern from drama school, just a smattering of ballet, all fucking lies. And he said, well, if we don't get everyone, leave us your number. We'll give you a call tonight. They called me that night. I said, can you be back at one o'clock, same time in the afternoon, come back to the Pigalle. So I went back. They gave me a private audition. I was sweating profusely. They said, why are you sweating? I said, I'm nervous. I'm worried. They said, stop it. Sweat begins when you start the job. You've got the job. Oh. That was it. That started my dancing career in the Pigalle in London. Wow. So that's we have to talk about how you ended up a bluebell dancer because I want to make sure we have that's, some time. That's going. No, that's going on. That's going on to that. Yeah. So while we were at the Pigalle, there was an ad for the Lido in Paris. And I was friendly with an Australian boy who was working with me at the time at the Pigalle. And he said, you know, we should go for this audition. I said, why? We've got this job. No, just go for the audition for the hell of it. So I went, okay. So it was just like the two of us. And then Bluebell said, okay, do something. <laughs> I said, I'll just do what I do at night. What the hell? So I did all that. Then she said, can you do picky turns? And I had said, what on earth are those? So when you turn and lift one foot, I said, oh, yes, I can do those. I did them horribly across the floor. I had no idea. I just did that. They said, come here. We need your measurements. You've got the job. Wow. That was for the Lido. So both Tony and I got the job. We headed off to the Lido in Paris, said goodbye to the Big R. Went to Paris and we were, again, we weren't the originals in the show. The show had already started. I was replacing somebody called Norbert, who had been there a long time. 
and uh, we learnt the show. And of course, there was no general company call. A boy called Murphy Loder brought us the show. And he said, it's good if you can learn the show, at least go and learn one number, go in the number, then you won't be paid the, the um, rehearsal salary, you get regular salary right away. So we learned the opening. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, Sherry. I had no <laughs> idea. Here's video. We went on, we did it. I was told at the end of the number, I had to grab a girl with black hair and go up the stairs. There was a girl, showgirl with black hair. I grabbed her, she said, not me. I said, you got black hair, you're coming with me. And I took her. Who I had to grab was the principal. Oh no! Who was standing at the bottom saying, it's me, it's me. I said, oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it ended. And then I realized that from the next show, when we did it, I had to get that girl. But it was things like that. But that was horrible, the way we had to look. We had a thing where we had chandeliers we had to hook onto the ceiling. Invariably, I could never hook my chandelier. I would have to be seen dragging it off stage. <laughs> One day, a chandelier crashed onto an audience member. So Bluebell comes at the end of the show. Adrian, was that you? I said, no, Miss Bluebell, that was not me. I got my chandelier hooked. <laughs> Who would ever say that in their job? Did you drop a chandelier on someone? Like, that's I'm not sense. Yeah, it's just, a, it was the craziest <laughs> time. So then when this job ended, I went back to London and the ice skating duo that was in the show in the Lido, that had their own act there, had been hired by London to be in, in the ice pantomime at Wembley. And he said to me, Adrian, would you like to be my dresser? So I said, sure, I've got no job to go to, so I'll dress you. So while the pantomime was on, I dressed him. Wow. And that's how it worked. Yeah. So that was a good thing. And then from that, Lubel called and said, I've got a job in Estoril in Portugal. Would you like to go? It's opening the new casino there. I said, yes, I'd love that. Thank you, Miss Lubel. I'm out of work, I'll happily do it. So I went over to Paris, we auditioned, we uh, trained in Paris, then we got on a train, went to Estoril, did the show in Estoril, came back to Paris, off, and then from Paris I went back to London. And while I was in London, I was very tanned, they were having auditions for a group called Pants People. They were going to be doing the Bobby Gentry show, and they were looking for two boys. So this other boy who worked with me in Portugal, Eric Wilson and I, we went for the audition. There were just, lo just loads of people coming down the stairs waiting to audition. So we went in and neither of us were, would do the funk dancing they were doing. We were horrible. But they were working as, they were very democratic as a group. So the person who was the choreographer and the leader had all the girls there said, okay, now we've seen everybody. Who do you want? Who do you think would be, you'd like? Well, they chose the two tanned people, Eric and myself. <laughs> Never looked back. So we did the Bobby Gentry series for three years. We had a series in Amsterdam that we did. We had a series in Belgium that we did. Then we did the Eurovision Song Contest with Lulu, and that was like 13. So that was all good. 
So while I was doing this, the talk of the town had auditions. So I went to the talk of the town and got on stage and was told, Adrian, please go and wait in the wings. So I went, why don't they just tell me I haven't got the job? What is this wait in the wings? And the stage manager said, what's wrong with you? I said, well, they told me to come and wait in the wings. Why don't they just tell me I haven't got the job? They've told me this four years in, in a row. He said, why don't you just wait in the wings like they told you and see what's happening? I went, okay. Then they said, Adrian, come back out. Line everybody up to Adrian. You've got the job. Oh, wow, that was a little twist. So for five years, I worked at the Talk of the Town. But prior to that, I had auditioned for David Tagore at the Latin Quarter. So I was already working at the Latin Quarter. I'd been there for about 18 months. And I came to the Latin Quarter and said, I'm very sorry, but I have to give you my notice. Uh, I've got the job at the Talk of the Town. They pay me the same money that you pay me, but it's only one show a night and it's only 45 minutes. You're paying me 18 pounds a week for two shows a night. That is hour and a half each show. Doesn't make sense. Wait, wait, wait. What time does the show at the talk finish? I said, nine. It finishes at about 9.30. They said, well, can you be here by 10? So I said, no problem. It's just down the street. So they said, okay, well, we change our show time to 10 o'clock. <laughs> so they did that for five years. Wow, they wanted you. So I ran down the road and I used to be doing three shows a night. One at the talk, two at the Latin Quarter. How old are you when this is happening? I was in my 30s. Okay, wow. Yeah, and then Peter Baker, who was Bluebell's agent, was looking for boys for Hong Kong. So I suggested a couple and he took them. Then he said, Adrian, we need one more. Why don't you come along? I said, Peter, I've been at the talk of the town for five years. I love it. I'm at the Latin Quarter too. I love it. Steady work. Why would I come to Hong Kong? Come on, Adrian, we need it. It's just six months. You can, it'll be good for you. It's a nice break. Come on. I told my mom, she said, darling, you love to travel. Do it. We'll take care of your flat. Because I was buying my flat in London at the time. So I said, okay, then I'll go. So I went to Hong Kong. There was in Hong Kong and Bluebell was doing the choreography and I was kind of funking things up. And she said, can you do, do it like Adrian's doing, follow Adrian. And so I, she said, would you like to go to America? I said, love that. It's not Las Vegas. I said, I don't care. It's Reno. I said, I don't care, Miss Bluebell. I'd love to go. All right. But when you, Don Arden sees you, you need to make sure you're six foot because you're only 5'10". Make sure you're wearing shoes with heels. I said, <laughs> I have them and I will be. No worries. So what happened then, Miss Bluebell called and said, listen, I have a job in Madrid. It's a musical. It's a Spanish musical, but they need people. So I think you may as well go there, work these few months before you leave for America and uh, make some money. So I said, that's fine, I love that. So off I went to Madrid and it was a fun deal. And they made me swing in that show. And I had no idea what the hell I was doing. It was the same thing. The first night there was just a general call and the next thing you were on with the company. <laughs> wow. And I know that was one of, one of the things we had to, it was a Pocotino Sestrages was the line they were saying, but it sounded to me like Pocotino Sausages. <laughs> so I went and I was right in front of the mic and I said, Pocotino Sausages. <laughs> well, I know. Then I was told, no, no, Pocatinho Sestrages. 
Okay, so I had to learn that. That's how I learned. I mean, it was a horrible experience. And then the kids who were in the show, the Spanish kids got a raise, but they didn't give it to us. So we asked them and they said, no, we can't afford to give you a raise. But you gave them, no, we can't. So we called Bluebell. And Bluebell said, okay, let me talk to them. She did. And they said, no, Miss Bluebell, we can't afford to give them a raise. Sorry, but we can't. She said, okay, then they won't be working for you. They're coming home. And she called us, she said, I've got your tickets, you all will be coming home. That's it, you're not staying there, I don't want you there. And so we went back. And then months, it was a couple months I was home and then I was off to Hello Hollywood, Hello. In what a ride so far, like that's just an amazing journey. And it sounds like you didn't set out like, this is what I'm gonna do. You've actually just followed this yeah. stuff. I never, I never had plans. Yeah. Things just happened to me. They just fell into place and they moved me along. Which makes for a much better story than if you're like, this is all I'm gonna do. No, I never did any of that. I didn't expect any of this in my life, none of it. So I get to Hello Hollywood, Hello, and boy, those rehearsals were killer dillers, you know? They really were, they went on longer than they should. How, long, how many months, weeks, how long was that rehearsal period? Because the stage is not even built yet, right? Is uh, no, yeah, it, but the stage was built, but stuff wasn't quite working because number one, they had that plane, which had all its in, innards. And when they started moving the plane out, it was so heavy, it started to break up the stage so they had to pull it back, take out all the innards and stuff like that. So, and then redo on the stage. This, the uh, the um, San Francisco, the earthquake was not, John didn't like the way it was done. So he gave us a week off on pay while they rectified the set and how it should work and things like that. Well, we started in February, I believe it was. February, March, April, May, June, five months. Wow, because that cast is so big. So it must have been yeah. like Top Hat has a rehearsal, yeah. and like separate and... But no what I hated, they used to make us do ballet things across the stage. And you know, say, and I cannot do ballet. So I quietly walked very kind of cagely upstage and <laughs> walked down the, the other side. <laughs> I didn't have to go through it. I was horrible. I hated that. We used to have warm-ups every day, but it was the warm-ups were good. Winston used to do them. It was they were fabulous. They were really good. So you went into the show as a dancer, but you you transitioned yes. later into assistant. Yeah, company. but then but then I got uh, um, hepatitis, so I was missing a lot of the rehearsals. Oh wow! And they made me swing. <laughs> so when I come back, I had no idea things had progressed so much. Yeah, I had so much to learn. So I was like dealing with two left feet. But I managed to learn, I did it, I, and I had to create my own swing book. I did all that, did everything that I, I needed to do. But when the show opened, John said, I don't want any swings in the show. I just want the regular people in the show. So we swings were relegated to an off position. We didn't do the show with, it, with the, the people that night. The grand opening, we didn't do the show. Uh, but I was swing and a dancer. Then there were problems with the person who was captain and they let him go. And then they said to me, would you like to be captain? So I said, okay. So I became Captain Swing. And I used to help Bernard Kroc, who was the company manager at the time. I used to help him with office staff and doing things like that. One day I came in like it was 
I think we were there about 18 months or so. And I came in to rehearse one of the boys, a new boy. They said, you can't go into the office. I said, I need to go into the office. I'm rehearsing someone. I need the tape recorder. You can't go in there. I said, why not? What am I going to do with this poor boy? I've got to re You just can't go in there. I said, I'm sorry, Carl. It was Carl Gramza. I don't know what we're going to do. We just wait, just wait for a moment, see what happens. Bill DeAngelis comes round with Gillian in tow and says, uh, I thought, oh God, he's going to tell me I can't work because I've been helping Bernard. He said, Adrian, you know what happened to Bernard? And I went, yes. And I thought, oh, it's going to happen to me too. He said, well, Gillian's the new company manager. And I said, well, congratulations, Gillian. He said, uh, she and I would like you to help her. Would you like to do that? Be her assistant? I said, yes, I'd love that. Is it okay with you, Gillian? She said, yes, I'd love you to be my assistant. I said, yes. That's how I became assistant company manager. And so I was dancing, captain, swing, dancing, assistant company manager. Oh my gosh. And then I told Gillian, Gillian, I can't cope. I'm too old now because I was in my 40s. I'm dealing with kids who are 18. I can't do the things that I did anymore. I'm just, I, I really need to just be your assistant. Well, you have a cut and pay. I said, I don't care. I just need a happy life. So I got the happy life. So there I was, and then she said, okay. So I took the pay cut and I became the assistant company manager till the end of the show. The show closed. They kept me on because they wanted me to direct shows that came in that were, uh, you know, companies have their little shows that they want to do to help promote their goods. So they asked me to stay on to do those things. Well, they were becoming fewer and fewer. And I got a call because Al Rapuano, who had been our president at Reno, was now the president in Vegas. He said, Adrian, we're having problems with the present uh, assistant show, uh, assistant uh, show manager. So we want to know if you would be like interested in jobs. So I said, yes, I'd be very interested. He said, well, then come over as soon as you can. Come over here and we'll, the rest will we'll work on it when you're here. So I told my mom, she said, go, do it. And I told my boss in Reno, he said, it's good that you got that because we were going to let you go. Oh, wow. So off I went to Jubilee to work with Fluff. And I was there for three years and uh, my boss in Reno got a job at Universal Orlando as their entertainment director. And he said to me, we're looking for a show director. Why don't you apply? So I did. I had an interview with them. They offered me the job. So I told Fluff, I've got this great offer. Thinking, you know, Jubilee is going to end. Can't go on forever. <laughs> Which it did. <laughs> Which it did. It went on far longer than my career at Universal. So I said, he said, okay, I understand. Yes, do it. You need to do that. It's very good. So I came over here. That was in 1992. And I worked from 1992 to 2005. But I became eventually senior director of concepts and development. I was no longer just a show director, which was very good. We were doing things like Mardi Gras, Halloween, all those big events that they had at the park. But in 2005, they downsized me, which was a blessing because my mom was living with me and she was, her health was not the best because she had fallen and broken her hip in 2000. So 2005, she was with me, I was taking care of her. 
She passed in 2010, but before she passed, Harry Potter had been, Universal had agreed to accept Harry Potter. So they took over Harry Potter and they built the place and they started having auditions. So I sent an email to the gentleman who was their show director at the time and said, do you think it would behoove me to come and audition? Or they said, yes, come, 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 you should come. So I did, I got the audition. And so we spent months training, we really did. I mean, we have a book that thick we had to learn. And when it came down to it, it came down to eventually just two or three pages. It was that small, it was that simple. But it had to, to learn all these things and all these changes that kept happening. And it was amazing, it was truly amazing. And I've been doing that from 2010 to the present day. And I love the job. Can you tell me what your title is? Because I love that part of what your title is in Harry Potter world. What is your character? Oh, I'm a wand keeper. I'm the wand keeper. Like, yeah, the, the same thing that John Hurt played in the very first Harry Potter movie when Harry Potter goes to get his wand. That's what we replicate every day. You are making so many kids so happy to experience oh, that. They make me so happy. Uh, Sherry, you have no idea how uplifting the whole thing is. Even when you have some wretched children, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> the next one's going to be good. Right. Because <laughs> right now we're all in isolation. And when we checked in, like you said, how much you missed that job. And I love, because yeah. I give your age away that you're 80. Yes. But you're such this beautiful part of like continuing the arts in all different ways. And like, it's such a joyful thing. So even how you lit up when you talked about your job as the wand keeper. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's wand keeper. A great journey is actually like because I trained as an actor and now yeah. it's gone full circle. Yeah, me what I did, and nothing was wasted. All that different bits of training that you can be a company manager, a swing, a dancer, an actor, and adapt yeah. to which a lot of people to move somewhere is hard enough. But you like, oh, I'll go live in another country, I'll take yeah. on this. Yeah. I never thought about you know how the difference it would make when I got there and I learned the difference. It was, it was, yes, it was different. Yeah. Because eventually in Paris, I remember the stagehands, we used to go out at night to get a drink and they'd say to me, ah, your name's Le Peltier, you're French. We're not speaking to you in English, you speak French. So it was forced on me to speak French. Wow, yeah, that name kind of was, I was ready for yeah. this. I was going to have to try my minimal French with you, but I knew you spoke English. So I worked with you years ago. Yeah. So we are at the end of our time, but is there anything when you reflect back on your career that just stands out as like a, a gem that, that made a difference in your life? No, my entire career. The whole career. My whole career has been one amazing experience. Uh, Sherry, I am so grateful for my life. I am so grateful. The people I have met, I mean, I haven't discussed certain things with some of the people. They have been so extraordinary. They've been so wonderful. No. You have full, like it sounds like you have just taken on all that's been offered and embraced it, but also appreciate it. I think a lot of people miss like what was right in front of them and they look back, but it sounds like you were fully in it and appreciate oh, yeah. Absorbed. I was absorbed by it. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, thank you for taking the time. I um, love it. Thank you. I'm sorry for my stumbles. Forgive me. No, that's, that's what's happening. I'm, my chair is squeaking. I don't have a recording studio. But this is what real life is. We're just telling stories and we don't have like 
you know, wonderful equipment. We have our stories and there are yeah. stories that, you know, they, they're good and they're inspiring. And yours is definitely one of like, follow your heart. Yeah. Follow definitely. your heart. So I look forward to staying in touch with you through Facebook and Please. I'm excited to share your story and Oh, just such a treasure. Thank you so much for this, Adrian. Best so welcome, Sherry. Thank you, darling. Bye. I'll visit you in the wand room one day. Please, that would be fabulous. <laughs> I hope we get back to work, please, God. Bye. Yes. Bye.